Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Coming up this week, Comcast is trying to outbid Disney for the sale of Fox. Uh, Disney releases more information about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge uh, at Hollywood Studios, including what time of the year they plan to open it. Craig and Corey are going to tell us more about that. And we're going to talk about an article by Disc contributor uh, Pete Perrone about three fast pass selections you need to make at each park. All that coming up next. From the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged episode 993 for the week of May 29th. 2018. <laughs> this Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Coming to you live from the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friend, Steve Porter. Hello. Charles Boda. Hey, folks. Therese Eccles. Hey. Corey Martin. I'm just happy to be here. And back on the switch uh, in the production nook, our associate producer, Rhino Clavin. Hello. And our producer, Mr. Craig Williams. Hi. And apologize. What happened with that? I, it worked two seconds yeah. ago, and everything is the way it should be back here. So we have and I, no I don't, clue. I, I set my timing for like when I read the episode number, when I introduce Dreams on the music. Um, so without that music, I have just nothing. It was eerie. It doesn't matter. It's it's changing anyway. So, um, <laughs> we're, you know, it's uh, a sneak peek at the new music. That yeah, we're, really, we're absolutely not interpretive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's coming uh, just for those who didn't hear last week. That's uh, we make some changes, minor changes. Uh, new logo is going to be unveiled, right, Corey? Yes. And uh, <laughs> some new some a new intro, some new some, some new music. And uh, June 11th, also uh, the first episode of the newly revamped Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged, making a lot of changes there. We're going to be uh, hosting it from here in Orlando with Rhino and myself and uh, bringing in uh, via Skype uh, members of our California team. And uh, so changing that up a little bit as well. All of that coming on June 11th. Also want to put out a plug uh, to remind everybody to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, just go ahead and hit that little subscribe button right there. And right next to that is a little bell that if you click that, every time we release a new video on our channel, which is quite frequently, you'll get an email update letting you know. So we appreciate your support. And we're almost at that 100,000 mark, and I'm, we're trying to hit it. So help us out if you haven't already subscribed. Go ahead and subscribe. If you're listening to us on iTunes, uh, subscribe to us there, obviously. But you can head out to youtube.com slash disunplugged, and you can subscribe to our channel as well. Um, I also want to welcome a new sponsor to the Diz, Carib Royale Hotel uh, in Lake Buena Vista is now one of our sponsors. And uh, we'll have a link to them in the show notes page along with the booking engine. They are an advertiser, so I do have a financial interest in this, but I wanted to welcome them to, to the Diz. It's the first new advertiser we've added in quite a while. I don't add a lot. Um, but the hotel is gorgeous. And we've worked with uh, those folks over at Buena Vista Suites for a long time. And we know how good those hotels are. And they've got a great intro rate right now. I think I saw like $81 a night. Ah. And these are all suite, all suite hotels. So, and it's convenient. Um, 
and it's really convenient to the parks, only a couple of miles from Disney. Um, so please check those out. Um, John and Kevin are not here uh, this week. They were supposed to be in Hawaii, but as I mentioned last week, Kevin broke his arm. He did have surgery and apparently is now a bionic woman. Um, has plates and screws and all sorts of metal in his arm. He's going to be charming going through, uh, going through security. Um, but I also uh, completely neglected last week um, to ask everyone's thoughts and prayers uh, for Diana Varley and her family. Um, uh, Diana, of course, is a wife of uh, the late Bob Varley, our friend and the person for whom this new studio is named. Um, but there was a tragedy, another tragedy in their family. Um, a few weeks ago, her son Brian um, was found dead in his apartment in Boston. Um, we don't have specifics. It looks as though that he may have died of natural causes, which is really sad because he was in his early 30s. Um, but there was a history of heart disease in that family. Um, it's what killed Bob, ultimately. And uh, so um, it was really shocking for all of us here to learn about Brian's passing. Uh, so we would ask that you keep Diana and her family uh, in your thoughts and prayers. It was really a, a, a terrible Sorry. shock. Yeah. Very, yeah, we couldn't couldn't comprehend it. Um, so, and uh, please keep Ryan's memory close to your heart as well. Um, is there anything else in housekeeping? Um, I'd just like to plug our staff columns, in addition to the news and editorials that you've come to expect from us, um, we're also doing, and I think I mentioned this last week, we're doing a series of staff columns that we've launched this month. We've already had one um, so far from Jackie Gailey and Tom Bell. And this week, we'll, on Wednesday at noon, will be Steve Porter's uh, column. So why don't you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so I am going to be doing a, a written version of The Best and Worst, uh, if you're familiar with the YouTube series that we do on the best and worst uh it's kind of like that but in a written format i expand on some of the ideas that have already been addressed uh you know some of these best and worst shows that we did are a year or two old so they have old information so i kind of give them new life with you know new attractions and fill in with new stuff so kind of readdressing some fun new topics all right awesome thank you guys anything else anything else for housekeeping how's the welcome center Teresa? it's fine <laughs> no, it's good. It's all good. A lot of people have been stopping by. Um, we're getting ready to start our summer hours, um, the 1st of June, which means we will be closed on Sundays and open on Wednesdays instead okay. because of ships in port. And, uh, so, and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, the Disboards.com Dreams Unlimited Travel Welcome Center in Port Canaveral, about a mile from mm -hmm. uh, the Disney Cruise Line Terminal. 6550 North Atlantic Avenue. Sweet number. B. B and D now, too. B and D. Well, they, they go to B. They go to B. D is where, you know, uh, for anybody who books a cruise through Dreams Unlimited Travel, we put, they, they, they get a, uh, a gift basket, a gift bag from us that Teresa and her team put together out there at the Welcome Center. We were doing it all in one spot in this one location, but there are so many of them going out that we needed to take a second storefront in order just, our, yeah. just to do that. So, which makes me really happy because now the Welcome Center is just the Welcome Center. Just me. And there's not boxes and yeah. all this other stuff nice. all over the place. So, um, what? No, just, yeah. It's just me and my new sofa. That's right. She wanted, she wanted, she wanted new furniture out Years there. Years so. I wanted this new furniture and I got it. So, right. Five years later, it's awesome. I love it. I need a coffee table, though. 
<laughs> oh, Lord, she's never happy. Come and visit In a me. Murphy bed. No, right. I don't need a Murphy bed. The couch sleeps wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've already found that out. No, it's all not. And a lot of people have been stopping by, though, and it's been really nice. Yeah, really. so you can head out there. I'm out there every so often. I need to get out there once I get back from California. You do? Uh, next week, I will, I will come out and grace you with my presence. Are you threatening me? <laughs> no, they get scared. They get scared whenever I say I'm coming out. There. I don't. The girls all. I just every once in a while, I'll just say you're coming out, even though you're not. And they all. He'll take you out the Twisty Treat. They get into it. That? Yeah, we'll take you to Twisty Treat. I can't go to t- Twisty Treat. I can't eat that. You can't. Doing eat my low carb thing. Well, Three watch. weeks, twelve pounds. Three weeks, twelve pounds. Working out good. Feel That's good. Awesome. So. I won't weigh on this. <laughs> uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Anything else for housekeeping? Yeah, just real quick. Uh, next week, Rhino and I are recording a uh, question and answer episode for Universal. So go ahead and send us your questions at uopodcast at disunplugged.com, please. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome. Anything else? All right. Let's start with the news. We have some things to talk about. Um, now, uh, I think it was uh, last month. Um, or a few months ago, Disney announced they were going to uh, try and acquire uh, 21st Century Fox, the, uh, the movie division of, the, of Fox Corporation. Of, of, uh, well, no, that's not the name of it, is it? Um, Twice. 20, 20, well, 21st Century Fox, but it's uh, Rupert Murdoch's co- oh, oh, company. I forgot the name of it. There's a name for it, but whatever. Um, and that was looking really good. Like it was going to, like it might happen. They were waiting to see what the results of the uh, AT and T and Time Warner merger were going to be, because the government is putting up some red flags about mm-hmm. that merger. Um, but now, reportedly, Comcast is stepping up to the plate, and they have made an all cash offer that uh, is much better than Disney's mostly stock offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is getting interesting. So the, the, the battle between Disney and Comcast is not relegated to Walt Disney World and Universal. Universal uh, Comcast, of course, owns Universal as part of its acquisition of NBC. Um, and now I've, I, and, I, and I didn't realize this before until this started stuff started, that apparently the head of Comcast, I forgot his name, and Bob Iger, like, really hate each other. <laughs> like there's a there's a blood feud between these two, so Comcast stepping up with this, and then this morning we find out from CNBC that Disney is currently in the process of lining up financing for significant cash should it become necessary to supplement or change their existing stock only offer. Uh, Disney is reportedly considering whether they will add cash to their current bid or if they'll merely shift the distribution to the bid to include cash. Um, and so this is going to get interesting. Cash always sounds better, though, right? It sounds yeah. better, but is it always better? No, because... I mean, I would much rather tie myself to a company that I trust, mm-hmm. Disney, and and be... Especially looking it, at their stock performance. And being a stockholder and tying myself in than taking this lump sum of cash. Again, cash sounds wonderful, but and I, I just... like. But remember, we're talking about... The, What's the amount? 60, how many billions did they offer for this? Uh, 53. 53, I think. 58. Or 58, 58 yeah. billion dollars. You know. Cash? So it's like cash. That's like, you know, 
you you sell it, you go shopping the next day, um, as opposed to the or, stock. Mm-hmm. But you know, it well, depends on what Fox's I, real motivation is for selling. I, I get the impression that Disney doesn't want to lose out on this in the worst way. That they, I feel like. Comcast, all Comcast will end up doing is pushing Disney's bid up higher and higher, but I don't think that Disney's going to lose. Now, I, and I don't think this is the motivating factor behind this, but how many times have I said Universal's biggest problem, if we're going to bring this back to a theme park discussion, Universal's biggest problem is they don't own any of the intellectual property that exists in their parks. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of IP with 21st Century Fox that Universal could develop and own should they should they buy this. And I'm like I said, I don't think that's the main motivating factor, but there's no question. With given how how important a focus theme parks have been for Comcast since they took over NBC Universal, that that's not playing into this decision as well. I'm sure it is. Uh, and on a, a quick note, yeah, like Corey had mentioned, the taxable thing is one of the reasons that Murdoch wanted to go with Disney specifically is because when when you're dealing with stocks, it's less taxable. Also, there are less hurdles to jump through, right? This, e- even though both sides are like bolstering their forces and adding on more and more money, none of this is probably going to go down if the AT&T and Time Warner deal does not go down. Um, it, and it's it's actually a very similar case, whereas AT&T is a service provider trying to, trying to get Time Warner content that they could then possibly, the fear is they could manipulate that to, to extort payers. Okay, right? I'm going to say this, and I look, I'm not trying to start a political thing here, but how much of the government's resistance to the AT&T Time Warner merger is the fact that Time Warner owns CNN and our, our, our current president despises CNN. That politically, CNN is in the crosshairs constantly. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's a fact. It's yeah. a fact of life. More than any other single news outlet, save maybe the New York Times, CNN is a constant target of this administration. So I wonder if that doesn't have more to do with why that merger is being is being questioned well it could um and a lot of people speculate that it does and murdoch is obviously on much better terms with the current administration so you know whatever fox deals going through is not as unlikely but the thing is it's still they both deal with somebody who's a service provider getting also getting content and then possibly using that to raise prices for consumers right so if this deal went through then comcast could feasibly do the same thing and you know what if this deal doesn't go through though which it very well could not then all of this uh, you know all this posturing with how much money is going down it'll be too complicated for fox to want to and i would i would buy the argument that this is about a content provider uh and a distributor becoming one. I would buy that argument if it wasn't for the fact that two months ago the FCC reversed course and passed net neutrality, mm-hmm. um, which absolutely makes it much, much easier for service providers mm-hmm. to significantly, if they choose, raise rates, mm-hmm. create, pay, pay lanes, yeah. <laughs> create pay lanes on the internet where you know, certain traffic is preferred over other traffic. Now, none of that has happened. This is all speculation. This is all possible. 
But I think if the administration was in fact worried about what you just said, then net neutrality would not have been reversed the way it was. Um, this this uh, doesn't Warner Brother. This happened in my lifetime once before, though. I, the, the whole reason why it's called Time Warner didn't they absorb? Didn't they buy AOL way back? In oh the, yeah, the, was, yeah. Does, does anybody remember that cluster? Yeah, um, when Time Warner purchased AOL, um, and this was like at that time the biggest deal ever. Yeah, and this is when AOL was riding high, and then of course <laughs> the bottom fell out of AOL. And Time Warner very quickly got rid of it, basically. Um, they did get rid of it, right? They did well, I, divest I mean, themselves yeah. of it. Or if they were talking about it at one point, I don't know if they actually did, but um, that was a complete disaster, that merger. But that, that, that never really came up against any significant government pushback. Uh, that sale went through pretty pretty easily. Well, one that just, I mean, recently in recent memory came up was Comcast and Time Warner. Um, not buying Time Warner, the entire company, but um, buying, was it not Time Warner Media, but Time Warner Productions, or I can't remember the delineation there. Um, that was going to go through, and then ended up going through a bunch of rigmarole, and um, never nothing ever came from it. So all of these companies are constantly considering, like all of these distributors are constantly considering buying various outlets to intellectual property or to media. So Well, yeah, and it's... That's the name of the game. That's why Comcast bought NBC Universal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I mean, there is precedence for, you know, a service provider buying a content creator mm-hmm. uh, in that deal right there. Um, what do you think? Well, that? I was going to bring it back to what you said earlier about uh, the head of Comcast and uh, Bob Iger hating each other. Do you think that they trying to do this as an absorption of another movie studio just to because they know Universal wants it too, or that? My my thing is, it's hard because as a as a a person not involved in the transaction, it seems to me like the properties represented by Twenty First Century Fox men go along with the types of properties that Universal Studios. And, I agree, and they they belong there. Yes, I understand they want the X Men to go to Disney and to be a part of the Marvel universe, but for me, that's just like those that little piece of a studio's history that's like a hundred years old, and they have properties you know that are that that you, alien will never see ever again if it goes to Disney. I would love to see alien again in my lifetime, you know ultimately, a yard sale would be for fans of the movies that are in TV shows that have been developed by Fox, like a yard sale is the best. Let Disney take what they want, let Comcast take what they yeah. want, but yeah. they that's not. That's not a possibility. I think uh, I, the end game on both of it is I, we just keep going around. Yeah, but on I it. think it's, this deal. I think this deal is worth more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, so. it's. I mean, I regardless, whoever gets it will walk away with a library, not necessarily even for theme park use, but just for streaming. Yeah, for That's any true. re-releases in theaters, everything they get this massive all of classic movies with it and i i see benefits to both of them i don't like i would love universal to get simpsons Mm -hmm. since they've already invested so much in their theme parks with it i would love for disney to get some of the marvel properties that they want from it it's just one person's gonna win right i just i'm curious about one of the 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 points you made are you saying that you you think universal is a better fit or are you saying that disney is not a good fit you just said the same thing. No. Um, so no. One is, okay. you know, is. Do 
do you think Universal is a better fit or that Disney is not a good fit? I think that both of those things. I think that Disney is not a good fit for the properties that 20th Century Fox represents. And I think that Universal is the best fit. I, if okay. Let's say Warner Brothers clear. threw their hat in here and was like, we want this studio. I'd be like, no. Um, that I do think that Universal Studios and 20th Century Fox have made very similar types of like have similar histories in Hollywood, you know, and they have been around for so long that I feel like one studio is going to care for more than the other one. Whereas Disney's thing is they milk everything for what it's worth and then it goes into the garbage until maybe someday, 50 years from now, somebody might have said something about it once and they'll bring it back out and try again. Whereas like these other places, I feel like they... I don't see Disney celebrating the history of the properties that they get. Like Craig just said about re-releasing movies and stuff like that. I don't see Disney being like, you know what? We're putting we're putting the original Alien movie back in the movie theaters. Disney, right on top of that name where a, an alien is going to burst out of somebody's chest. You Disney's know? about like, restoring their animated classics, not really their, their live-action library, which yeah. is a shame because there's so many good movies. So in the sense of a film standpoint, really, Comcast... I think they would take better care do, of them in the long run. Do you think that it might be Disney knowing going forward that they want to invest more in the streaming services that they could use these Fox properties to bolster oh, yeah, absolutely. that catalog? Yeah, that's, I think that's actually yeah. what it is now that you, I think, Pete, you said that. And that was what actually made me think, oh, I 100% bet, that, bet that's what it is. Like, Well, as far as IPs are concerned... Disney will surprise us, right? And here are a couple examples. With Marvel, I was very worried that they weren't going to respect yeah. Marvel's history. This is a lot. And I was we worried that they Marvel. weren't going to, that, that it was just going to be all profit because Disney, under Iger, is just a dragon acquiring gold to sleep on. All IP, <laughs> all IP in its vicinity will get sucked up into it. <clears throat> That's generally their modus operandi. But when it came to Marvel, as it turned out, like if you look at some of the stuff that they've made, the big stuff and the small stuff, Guardians of the Galaxy came out of nowhere, is not a huge thing. We're not talking about a, a superhero franchise that everybody knew. Now, they changed it, and they weren't <clears throat> completely, completely loyal to the comics, but the thing is, they went in, and they respected the history of the comics form while profiting off it, and want, like something even better than Netflix stuff like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. That is stuff that I used to read that's a little more mature, and I didn't think Disney... I didn't think it was a Disney fit, and yet it ended up being brilliant. So I just have one more thing to say about this before we wrap it up, but is that the, the difference here is that Disney has a studio that has a singular vision, and it has a mission statement. Not all studios have that, whereas Fox represents many, many more divisions than Disney does. It's never there's never going to be a rated R Disney movie. And yeah, the shows on Netflix are the closest things to rated R that we'll ever get, but that's what I'm talking about. They're never going to celebrate independent films and they're never going to celebrate these rated R movies. That's well, let's this is a perfect segue into our next story, um, which is obviously about another acquisition Disney made a few years back, of course, talking about Lucasfilm and uh, the success they've had with releasing the Star Wars films since then. Um, and of course, last week, Solo, a Star Wars story, the backstory of Han Solo, uh, came out in the theaters. And um, everything I'm reading is that this is a disappointment, at least in terms of its box office performance. Now, they're saying the initial estimates for Memorial Day opening weekend uh, were in the 130 to $150 million range. Um, now it looks like it did about 110. Is yeah. that what it did worldwide? I, I think by, by Sunday close it was 103, but okay. it might be up to 110. Um, 
they had a pretty strong Thursday showing. Um, but uh, while Disney hasn't released sales figures, uh, the opening day sales in 43 countries were only at 11.4 million. Um, and they're saying this is a massive disappointment uh, because it's not going to reach, it, it didn't reach anything close to the numbers, the opening weekend numbers of Rogue One. Um, and they're saying that coming five months after, and this is kind of going back to Rhino's point, that coming five months after the last Star Wars film, there is Star Wars fatigue. That because Disney milks everything and because everything becomes a production line, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, they have their their schedule with their Marvel films and they've been hitting it, but they're not coming right on top of each other either. So... What do you think? I know, Rhino, you have very strong feelings about this. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a number of factors, and Craig and I were talking about this, too, is that, um, okay, so you've got, yes, it was within five months of the other one, but also you, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that part first, is that it also, they just released what, it could be considered the most divisive, I'm... That's the right word, right? Div- um, Star Wars you film. You every time you say it. I know, but I always think I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> but it, it, it is the most divisive Star Wars film that's ever been made. You know, there are people that are like, erase it from history, and there are people that love it. You know, and you know, and so then you've, that's on top of then the one right before this was also kind of a dark movie. So you have two semi-dark movies, one that's very divisive, one that people are indifferent or love it, one, you know, no, I, and then we get to this one, and so so I think there is a matter of fatigue too, but it's five months after this. I also think it's a big deal. So why would they release what is considerably the two largest films in their body of things? So they've got a Marvel movie and a Star Wars movie. Why would they schedule a release within two weeks of yeah, each other? Yeah, that, that was that's the, one thing people are speculating was that the <clears throat> release and success of Deadpool two kind of cannibalized well and infinity war so so the, the other thing is too you've been building the cinematic universe for 10 years they've had marvel way before they had star wars you know and they've really been since the first avengers movie um they've been saying this is where it all leads and so you finally have this big movie you know and this is a movie not every family can go to the movies all the time so it takes a while some people get maybe can go month once a month you know then you release like two weeks later you're like oh you know what let's put out a Star Wars movie the other movie that all families trying to come together for and go to a movie but you just had this other movie I I think that they didn't anticipate Star Wars for one Solo having the troubled release date and I think it was originally going to be pushed back to Christmas but then after everything that happened they couldn't change the date because if they change the date then it shows that they're not confident in their production so they have that going for them then everything with the movie became so public that people want this to fail I hate news headlines that are like Solo a Star Wars story lowest a uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating of all the Star Wars movies. And I'm like, okay, well, it's 71%, first of all. And I would highly go back and say episode one, two, and three are not, and should should definitely be below that. But on top of that, it's, it's like it, it, people love to see big things. They love to see tragedy as much as they love to see triumph, and they want something like this. Well, you know, this was a plagued production from the beginning. Um, yeah. The original two directors were kind of unceremoniously fired halfway through production. They brought in uh, Ron Howard uh, to finish making the film. Um, So there was some questions about how that... I don't know why anybody would question Ron Howard's directing abilities. He's had some hits. Really? Yeah, he's had... His last, like... 
number of movies have not been good, but I would argue this turns it around for him. Okay, I think he's I think he's wonderful, but uh, nonetheless, um, so you had a you had a troubled production, you had a troubled production coming into this. Um, so how much do you think that played a role? Oh, I think it. I plainly think it played a huge role. I think it was one of those where people. This is the thing. Me, I hate to say this stuff, but the media and how we immerse ourselves in one type of an opinion. They, people already want to not like something. They don't like it. They're not going to keep the open mind about it. Do you, you know? think? Do you think it's unfair? A uh, hundred and ten million dollar opening weekend is I, phenomenal. I don't think um, that's a failure. It's not a failure by most standards, but Star Wars is held to a higher standard. Do you think that's fair or unfair? I I do think that yes you have a history of these movies hitting this amount. However, given the fan base for sure, I have not seen the movie, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go in thinking oh it, it was a failure from the beginning. Well, it I'm, seems I'm, to be getting better word of mouth. Yeah. Um, than this report would lead you to believe. Craig is somebody who and you know I know you'll have something to say, but. You are somebody that said you were not excited about it. You told me, oh, that terrible Star Wars movie, that disaster yeah. thing, and then you... I was pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Uh, it's, I think the issue, a big issue of it, is that I don't care where Han Solo came from as a, as a Star Wars fan. That was Word. never, that was never like... That something that I wanted to sit down and no, I didn't no? I never didn't cared about it. No, it's and that's these anthology movies so far, the two have been based off of one tiny little plot detail that was released. Like talking about the plans being stolen led to Rogue One. Talking like Han Solo bragging about the Kessel Run. Yes. Here we get this from it. So I I do like that they're trying to flesh it out in a way, but Han Solo was one that I didn't care about. The Obi-Wan one that everyone's been craving for, that's something I'd be in on. A Yoda movie? Absolutely. Even... No, don't you say it. No, I wasn't... I wasn't I, oh, no, no, I, I was wasn't going to say Boba Fett. I don't, we already know his. We saw it in Attack of the Clones. Stupid. We know where he comes yeah. from. No, that can never I, happen again. I would have, like... <laughs> the stupid thing is, I love Chewbacca, but you can't have an entire movie in subtitles because uh, <laughs> of all the Wookiee speak, so this one kind of helped with that. Regardless, I think it's in to it's Memorial Day weekend. It's the first day that everyone barbecues throughout the year. I know it's always it's kind of seen as a big movie weekend, but I I don't know about anyone else in this room, but I was happy that after it was supposed to be forecasted every day of just pure rain that I think it sprinkled on Sunday at my house for maybe like 10 minutes and that was all that I had. So, I was I tried to be outside as much as possible and why sit in a movie theater when you could be outside? I think they should. I think it was an overcrowded movie season. It's like what we already said. The Marvel stuff was there. I think that this was. I think this was better than the Last Jedi, and I definitely enjoyed it more than Rogue One. I liked them this one really? just as much. I'm on the other side. I love Han Solo, and I did enjoy this movie, and I really, really want to see another one after seeing this movie too. So, I. I think people should just make up their own mind about a movie. Like you, if you wanted to see it and it looked appealing, go see yeah. it. I was worried about this dude taking Harrison Ford's spot. Okay. Yeah. And how I he thought could, he did a good job, though. I thought he did a good job, and I and I couldn't see it while I was watching the movie, and I really enjoyed the movie. But since we saw it, I went back and watched the three originals with a younger Harrison Ford, and I can definitely see it. 
yeah. after going back and seeing it. And yeah. I thought, I think they did a good job. You don't agree? I, I think he did great. I think he did a good job. But to me, he wasn't. He was just another person kind of with that same attitude. But it wasn't Han Solo. Like, that's just how I felt. I, it's, I, I think he did fantastic, but if they would have said, this isn't Han Solo's backstory, it's just a Star Wars heist movie, and we have this new character who's kind of like Han Solo, but he's not, I would have been like, oh my gosh, Alden really knocked it out of the park. As Han Solo, I felt like they were kind of cheap. They're like, okay, we're going to have you stand like Harrison Ford did a couple times and say some of his, his catchphrases, and... It's going to be perfect. But you got to remember, he's a younger Han Solo, and people evolve over time and change a little bit. So this is kind of the beginning of how he was when he was younger, right? And then as you get older, you change. Thanks for spoiling the whole movie for me, Teresa. (laughs) You know? Go ahead. Just really quickly, I'm pretty sure this broke a Memorial Day record. And it did on Thursday. Yeah, on Thursday. So the thing is, you know, we're arguing because, or we're talking about this because it didn't meet projections and expectations. We're not talking about it because it was a failure or like it underperformed compared to the fact that it it wasn't the biggest blockbuster of the decade, which is what we expect from every Star Wars and Marvel thing, or it's a failure now. So, you know, it. People liked it. It was a good movie, and it did very, very well. You break records, you're doing well. Just, yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not people, the second people, coming, so people weren't happy. They only have so much money to go to the movie theater. You know what? I blame Disney for this disaster because people only have so much money for the movie theater, and you gave us a massive once-in-a-lifetime type of movie with the Avengers Infinity War, and then you asked us for more money two weeks later. Are you crazy? That's how I have to. That's what it comes down to for me. Well, let's uh, let's segue this into our our next discussion. Uh, which is uh, regarding Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, Disney announced last week that, uh, that not giving us specifics, but saying the new area of the park in Disneyland would open in the summer of 2019, and the one here in Orlando would open in late fall. December. <laughs> which is December. Um, it's definitely going to be in time for the holidays. Um, if they make projections. But um, that was... I wasn't expecting to see that. I was not expecting to see that that announced. But uh, they're getting ready to release um, 2019 packages for Walt Disney World. And one of the things that a lot of travel agents, Dreams Unlimited included, mm-hmm. were complaining about was... We're going to have people wanting to know when should they be booking for next year because otherwise they're going to say, oh, well, maybe it'll open in summer and then it opens in the su- it, it opens in the winter and they're pissed off. And so but even with Toy Story Land, the, the, we were getting these questions. Uh, when do you think we should go? Is it going to be open by our arrival date? OK, we'll just take that and multiply it well, by well, 11 I, I trillion. I understand, but even, even <laughs> if something like, like Toy Story Land, which I'm excited about, the uh, it, people were still asking those questions. So something this massive, they'll change their whole vacation plans around this. Not but they around, need to know they can't go. Right. Some people can't go twice. They're waiting. They I have a travel agent this. perspective, or like a traveling person question to ask you guys, uh, or the travel agent people. Uh, so do you think now that they said <laughs> the the last that it's in the la- late part of 2019, do you think that we're going to get the first 
really not busy season in the beginning of 2019? Or do you think that everyone's going to try and come now to get it okay. out of the way? Or? I, I'm sorry that you've been asleep for the last five years. There are no not busy seasons. No, but I'm think, what I'm saying is do you, because this is going to be such a popular thing, do you think it's going to cause this like kind of wave? Like it's going to pull I, up back toward the end of the year and like it'll be like a beach where it kind of starts to mellow out in the beginning. I, I think that I think any speculation about what traffic patterns are going to look like once Star Wars opens uh, is premature at best. Oh. Um, I think it is going to completely change everything in terms of crowds, crowd distribution, uh, hotel occupancy, hotel prices, because these hotels are going to fill up, which is going to drive the prices sky high. And I'm not talking about just the Star Wars hotel whenever that opens. Every hotel on property is going to be affected by this, and the prices are going to go up. So my strong suggestion to anyone is just with any – look, Disney – we've talked about it before. Disney yields their rates. They do it on Cruise Line. They do it at Walt Disney World. They do it out in California. And that is when it first releases, that's the lowest price you're going to see as these hotels fill – those prices go up. Those prices change. Um, and then once they've reached capacity, they'll release free dining during the same period. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what happens. On, an, vacation I, that week. on an unrelated note, look for all of our homes on Airbnb. Yeah, right. right, exactly. I, I wonder if, uh, I know the Magic Kingdom's been the most expensive single-day ticket more than the other three parks, and I'm wondering... I expect that to change. <laughs> yeah, I bet Hollywood Studios will be in that category with Magic Kingdom. I think there's no question. I think there's no question that it's going to leapfrog. Magic Kingdom, Disney you is going... to be more expensive? Absolutely. Absolutely. Disney is going to want to get every blessed dime they can out of this as quickly as they can. Because don't you think a whole new group of people are going to be coming that aren't necessarily Disney fans? Mm -hmm. This is going to be the... Rhinos of the world. <laughs> what are you? What are you chuckling about back there? Oh, just some, a comment someone made in here that Rhino would hate. Uh, fingers crossed for their Rose uh, Tyco meet and greet. Oh Rose. God, I hate Rose. I have no idea what you're talking Rose, about. Rose, the uh, the character from the Last Jedi. Oh, okay. the one who's with Finn the entire time. Oh, oh all right, my right, boyfriend. Right. Um, so they've also announced what the name of this planet is planet. going to be. Village. Village, excuse me. The planet's name is Batu. Batu. That's what I was that. just going to say. The largest settlement on the planet, Batu, the Black Spire Outpost. Yes. Um, is what this is going to be called. Now, you guys were at the uh, Galactic Knights event Sunday and uh, got some more details. So, why don't you talk about what you heard? Yeah, so uh, obviously the biggest, biggest news to come out of that, like you just mentioned, is that we now know that the name of the village we're actually going to is Black Spire Outpost. This is because basically this was a big giant, this was a big giant river valley area uh, on the planet Batu with a bunch of towering trees over. And uh, over time, the trees started to petrify and turn into a bunch of spires and one of them was blacker than the rest, according 
to what they said during the panel. I know, right? That's where it, it's, it was just more prominent and blacker than the rest. And so that's Did I where... Did this story? It sounds like someone... It, so Craig wrote a great review of the whole well, night. You gotta we, read it. we know, like, yeah. you know, it's meet at the purple wall. Uh, for all these people coming to trade on Batu, they would say meet at, meet at the Black Spire. And so that's where this village started to spawn out from. And uh, it's... What a weird backstory. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a little bit of a strange backstory, but it was like... This cool is Star Wars. So, <laughs> we talking about backstories. And this is in none of the movies, right? And this is something no. brand well, new that they've come up with. Technically, no. But they, Charles can say it. Yeah, they reference it in Solo. So, like... What what was it? The night before it was announced, or something like that, when we were watching the solo premiere. Um, yeah, there's a throwaway line about um, Black Spire that I think it was what L three L three. Yeah, yeah, the droid says it. Craig's favorite character. Yeah, my um, least favorite. Do you think <laughs> no. a question? Do you think that this is all woodland based because they're going to try and. Um, you know how the Ewok area of Star Tours is all the woods and the trees up there? Do you think they're trying to like blend that area into... I know it's tattooing uh, traders and stuff like that, but it just it no. reminds me of no, that. No, this has nothing to do with that. I, I don't foresee that being anything. It's, it's from what I want to say is going to happen, unless they completely plow down everything with Muppets Courtyard. There's no way to connect the two, so there's no point true, in trying true. to keep that loose theming together. Uh, but, no, it's... Uh, I I love the concept, the model that we saw way back when, and I feel like the artwork that keeps coming out for it is just... Uh, it, it's really all coming together with it, but we didn't just get the name and some extra concept art on that. Uh, one of the things that they mentioned during it, they tried to surprise us by confirming the two AT-AT walkers that were being built. I think whoever was on that panel forgot that they posted a video of it, like last March, <laughs> yeah, where they showed say. clearly that they were being built, and then they built uh, Were they trying a, to like um, hype the crowd by being like, and two yeah. They're like, well, that's what they said. <laughs> yeah. we're built, we built two. They're life-size, and we're confirming it right now. It's like, well, it was already known. <laughs> you told us about it before. Uh, but we did get to see some of the actual uh, photos of yeah, the, the ones inside great. their building now, and they look... They looked pretty oh, this is incredible. An, is this not an that's artist not rendering? Concept. No, that's actual yeah, photo yeah, that's of it. Photo. Oh, wow. That's what it's going to look like. Cool. Yeah. yeah that's a, it's going to walk a, around the park? No, no. no. It's, yes, it's going to walk around the park people. and destroy, <laughs> yeah. destroy tourists. I can see that. Um, and that's how they're going to handle the crowds. Yeah, that was a part of, <laughs> that's going to be a part of the four, First Order uh, ride that they're doing. And we also got a look at the utility transport uh, that we saw a model for back at D23, and so... Now, I stupid mean, question. Is, any of this... Can we go in any of this stuff? Well, the AT-ATs, no. That's part of the ride, and this, I don't know if I want to go gonna, inside that. I, I, I think we're just going to see this you during the attraction. I don't think this is the actual ride vehicle. Maybe I'll be wrong on that. You they don't really think, say it. I think this is the thing that's going to bring people from the hotel. You don't think so? In the, in the this is no. the new monorail. The, no, 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 from the Star Wars hotel to get out of your to get out of your room. You don't think it's going to gonna be built in? It's going to it's just going to open right into the park. No, right, no, this is a part of the first order, right? They already oh, told us that. Yeah. So. Oh well, I don't know that. In, in the panel, doesn't he? Uh, he mentioned that guests like walk inside it and begin their journey from yeah, there. So. Yes. So yeah. you do get to go in it regardless of whether. I just don't know what the 
what how we're going to interact with it. But um, then they also started to tease some of the new creatures that are going to be available. Um, they're actually going to have like. At the last Galactic Nights, they talked about how a lot of the merchandise was going to feel handcrafted and authentic to the actual world, not just a bunch of t-shirts and hats and crap that you can get anywhere. That'll be outside, but inside it needs to be all authentic, and so they're doing the same thing with creatures. And uh, most of the creatures they're actually building for this are are, they're coming from either the fiction that's been written about Star Wars or the animated series. Okay. So a lot of it's being created for the very first time. And uh, it, it was all kind of part of this bigger discussion in that really there are people working all around the world on making Galaxy's Edge a reality in, yeah, that's cool. in many different locations. Like, uh, And they're all working in conjunction with the movies too. So Charles mentioned it on the Daily Fix. It was in the panel. They went and found the guy who voiced uh, Nian Numb back in 1983 for Return of the Jedi. And I don't know if they just used his voiceovers from that for Force Awakens, but they definitely have him for the one of the new attractions as well too in this area so they want they want that extra level of authenticity that uh that they hope that guests will definitely notice it and be like this is they why only, they only have beyond they really only have one shot to get this right yeah and i th- it, everything they keep showing us with every update it seems like they are it all seems it. like they're moving in that yeah. direction and um mm-hmm. you know looking at my star wars nerds now um what well, fun fact do you know where nian num gets his name from the the original packaging for his figure was number nine, so it's nine numb is the abbreviation, and that's how we ended up getting. Wow, him. let me write that down. Yeah, Wookie, Wikipedia. I did my research before the show. But you know, so, oh yeah, I'm, this whole I'm sure thing I said is just, it wrong, I think so. is amazing. Like you said, the movie people are working with the theme park people are working with the. How'd you get behind that microphone, Kathy? <laughs> I don't. Did it move on? Yeah, you're well saying right now. <laughs> so uh, ultimately, the the thing I've been saying it for a while now. The the one thing that could get thrown off by all this is if the cast members inside don't interact with the world in character. They, yeah, mm-hmm. if they're not, they don't have to be specific people. Obviously, that would be like that would be as messed up in the Wizarding World if someone's like, yeah, I'm friends with Harry Potter right over there. That's <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> That's that's not allowed. You can get in a ton of trouble if anyone ever hears you say that. So with Star Wars, I I don't want to see in Galaxy's Edge, I don't want to see someone like, oh, my good friend Chewbacca, we hang out all the time on the Millennium Falcon. Like, that's, that's I don't want to hear stuff like that. But as long as, as long as you feel like you're becoming immersed in this world due to what Disney has built, but also the cast members it'll be an absolute success. But if it's front-of-the-line cast members treating you like like you just walked in off Main Street, like, hey, welcome to the Magic Kingdom, then that's going to be... Uh, so you're, act, you're asking these cast members to be actors. <laughs> Not actors. Embrace. Yeah. Embrace the, the roles that they're and in. And sell merchandise. Okay, let me ask you a question. In all, in all seriousness... What do you think the odds are of that happening? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, with something like the reason why it works so well at Harry Potter is because it's like a book series and movies and people are invested and it it's a lot farther reaching than a lot of some of the traditional. So are are, are people are cast members who are going to be staffed in this area going to have to take some sort of Star Wars nerd quiz? Yeah, they before should, they yeah. can get yeah. the job. At the Wizarding but do, World, they should. Do you think that is what's going to happen? Yeah, at the mm-hmm. Wizarding oh, World yeah. when. 
when you got when you were either picked to be in there or assigned to be in there, you had to go through a, the sorting a hat. beginner's a beginner's class. Well, there was an eight-hour class where you have to learn all about it if you've never seen anything Harry Potter related before, and then you had to pass the quiz at the end. It was simple for a fan. Uh, so right, I was, was about to say a, that. Yeah, like cherry picking the fans it, yeah. is going to have to be important. For and this. that's what that's what they tried to do for the longest time. Like I felt Universal, so... it was pull people in who were fans of Harry Potter and wanted to be there for it, and that made a bigger difference. It has since shied away from that yeah. and not in a good way at all uh, and it has shown over time but with Star Wars they have to do the same thing they have to say do you want to work here because you want to be in this universe or do you want to work here because you just want to be in the the premier land and they need to go for the people who are willing to embrace it first who believe and, the story but yeah. even some of the character even some of the cast members at um, at the event we went to was they were all into it they maybe they were faking, but they were into it. They were, look, I I'm not a Star Wars nerd. I I still have some of the original Star Wars toys I played when when I was a kid. I've seen all the movies except the most too recent. Um, I appreciate it. I don't hate it. I appreciate it the same way I appreciate um, like Harry Potter and stuff like that. I love that land and everything that they they've done with it. I'm gonna love this land. I know, but I'm not. I kind of felt a little out of place at the event because. There's a lot more people <laughs> at that event that just loved every second about it. And, you know, like I said, I can appreciate it, but it, I was kind of like a little, little fish out of water over there, to be honest. And how do you think, um, how do you think the, you know, Teresa had mentioned earlier that, you know, uh, there's a whole other fan base uh, that's not necessarily Disney fans uh, that this is going to appeal to. How do you think the Disney fan base and the Star Wars fan base are going to merge and interact with one another because, you know, obviously Disney fans who don't care that much about Star Wars, this is a new land in a Disney theme park and like Swallows to Capistrano, they're going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, how, you know, do you think there's the potential here that Disney fans in that genre um, may find it too nerdy where... And if, if, if they try to dumb it down to a degree to please Disney oh, fans, oh, oh, oh. that Star Wars fans are not going to find it authentic enough. No, well, you, I don't I, see that. You've you seen don't? Michael Jackson's I, no, beat I don't, it, I don't, I would You don't think the threat there is for that? No, no, no like as far as like too nerdy, I mean, because... Like, there are things that are too nerdy even for Disney fans. Please, you show up in some Mickey ears that look like Chewbacca I, and a true Star Wars fan who's not a Disney fan... Is, I don't think they're going to embrace know, that. Here's the, here's, and I notice this. I notice this all the time, especially on social media. Um, Disney fans looking at fans of some other genre or some other thing and mocking them. Mm -hmm. Yet in the meantime, you know, we're dressing like Snow White. Yeah, but that's um, the internet for and, you. But I'm saying, I'm saying that that mentality exists. <laughs> There, there, there it is. Um, that mentality exists. And so I wonder with these two different distinct fan groups, both very big, both very, uh, very passionate, um, there is crossover. This room is proof that there are Disney and Star Wars fans, mm -hmm. but there are also two distinct camps. And I wonder how Disney... Those are two markets Disney's going to have to absolutely make sure they keep yeah. happy. How do you keep both of those camps happy at the same time? Well, 
Well, right, Charles, from, from my own experience, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I love oh, I love Diagon Alley. Um, I love Hogsmeade. I love the Wizarding World. I'm not a huge fan of the. I haven't read any of the books. I watch the movies, cursory like glances, once uh, here and there for the CGI. But the thing is, I absolutely love it because they did a great job with the theming. Um, uh, everybody who works there manages to present it correctly. If you do it right, you please everybody. I. I can rattle off more Star Wars nerd stuff than you. I've never been to a Star Wars convention, and it will probably be weird and frustrating for me because I can't... You know, some people go really into their fandoms, but one thing I've learned since having this job is that Disney fans just love a well-done park, and they're going to accept it regardless of whether they specifically care for that niche or not. Um, Star Wars fans will probably like it because this is the best version of Star Wars theming that they're going to get. It, it'll please everybody if it's done well, and I don't think the crossover really matters that much. Good is good. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say. Uh, it's We already just saw that with Pandora, that it doesn't... It, I There are very few people out there. Uh, you are one of them, Pete, who said, you know what, I just love the Avatar movies and I can't wait to see it brought to life. But the entire... It's just attracted this fan base of people who just want to see an area of a park that's really well done and really nailed. And so it's gonna it's gonna be the same way with Star Wars. As long as they nail everything about it, it it's going to get the regular guests who are just hearing about it and not really sure what to expect, but just hearing good things. It's gonna please the Star Wars fans, and it's gonna please the average Disney fan. So, but it has to be nailed. All right. So for those people who are currently asking themselves the question, when should I visit next year? If I want to make sure I see Star Wars, Star Wars land, when should they book, Craig? Uh, I've been getting that question on Twitter a little bit. For, for people out in Disneyland, I've been saying, you know, September. That way everyone expects it to be open maybe at the end of july but definitely in time for d23 you don't in, think this is going to open little like memorial day weekend in disneyland yeah no most of the expectation is that it'll be open for at least in time for the d23 expo which is august 23rd to the 25th I so yeah. Um, yeah i was thinking, definitely I was, then, it was gonna open around july ish yeah it's uh, some people are saying late july but then like the official mm. official ready to launch date will be right around the corner so you think september is safe in disneyland i think september's safe there and here i'd say just january yeah it's just tough. just go December 2020 21st. you don't want to if they literally wait technically winter starts December 20th, so fall ends December 19th. Did it 19th. say late fall or fall? It's late, late fall. fall. Late fall. So okay. late fall. So we're looking specific, at that November, yeah. December time yeah, frame. Yeah. If we say the latest they do, it they open it is December 19th, like the last day of fall, then you're looking at then going into hell week right after that, the busiest week in between Christmas and New Year's to see Star Wars land for the first time. Just... Wait and until January. You can also you can also hunt down some slow some slow days slower days in January if you're there when a marathon is not going on because yeah. keep, in, keep Don't in mind go the marathon. marathons the marathons bring in about a hundred thousand. And so, what do y'all think? Y'all think they should uh, launch uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge with like a Christmas overlay? What do y'all think? <laughs> <laughs> should that work? All right, Rookie uh, Life Day. We need to we need to move on. That'll do it for the news. We're going to head over to Rapid Fire and Mr. Steve. We're going to start with you. Okay, over in uh, Tomorrowland this summer, there's the Incredible Tomorrowland Expo. 
uh, and with that, they have special snacks and treats and uh, food Lord. options. What the hell is that? So that, what you're looking at is the uh, super stretchy burger at Cosmic Race Starlight <laughs> Cafe that has uh, <laughs> flame-grilled Angus beef that has deep-fried mozzarella sticks, American cheese, bacon, and garlic ranch sauce. All made protein. Out of, made out of rubber. What um, makes it stretchy? The, the mozzarella cheese. Oh, oh you pull okay. Apart. Get it, get it, get it. Yeah. Uh, and along with that, at Starlight Cafe, or Cosmic Rays, there is the um, super salad. Uh, it's like, you know, kale and all that good stuff. Um, to make up for this abomination? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, and then at Tomorrowland Terrace, there's the Dash-themed pizza, where you can get either just a Sicilian-style cheese pizza or pepperoni pizza. Uh, stop talking about this stuff. Uh, and then at Annie Gravity's Galactic Goodies, there's the Edna Mode's No Capes, Just Crepes, Crepe. Really? Wow. Uh, and then lastly, at Launching Pad, there is a pretzel that looks like the superhero mask with black salt on it. So I like how in Disneyland they'll give you themed food that's like, oh, look at this, like, corn, or look at this thing, or, you know, oh, this is this fun kale salad. And and, and, and uh, excuse me, I'm going to switch back to it. And in Disney World, they're like, oh, you thought a burger was unhealthy? We're going to put three mozzarella <laughs> sticks underneath, but wait. There's bacon, and you get a heart attack before you leave the park. Enjoy. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so indignant. All right, thank you. <laughs> thank, and that has already started, correct? Yes, and that goes till September 3rd. All right, thank you, Steve. Charles. All right, <clears throat> going, uh, running until September 29th, Animal Kingdom is testing a in-park ticket sales location, which is located outside of Discovery Trading uh, Company. Um, <clears throat> this will give guests access to ticket location services without them actually having to leave the park. So visitors are going to be able to purchase uh, tickets for special ticket events like Mickey's various not-so-scaries and Very Mary's. Um, they can upgrade their ticket with additional days or options there and upgrade their ticket to an annual pass all at this temporary location. Um, that's going to be open from park open till park close. And once again, it runs through September 29th. It's a pilot thing that they're trying out to see how how well it works and how popular it is. So. Is this more of a convenience thing? or Yeah, so you yeah. have to leave the park to do yeah. ticket stuff. Or is it really? I mean, it kind of already exists in uh, Liberty Square. They have that little... Right as you exit Hall of Presidents, it's a guest service is like it's, it's a, a guest, guest service location, but you can, can re-up your annual passes there and yeah. do that kind of stuff. I also have a question on that: is do you think it will help with upselling when they have somebody in the middle of a park day inside the park enjoying themselves? Probably. So, that could be a reason as well. Sure. All right. Thank you, Charles. Teresa. Edna Mode has arrived in the parks. Yay! This past weekend, are we all excited? I'm not real happy with the way she's looking, but. Um, like Magic she's, Kingdom, that's right? Terrifying. She yeah. does look. She does look kind of like the missing link. And she's a little thick in the midsection. I'm all about hefty girls, but that's not Edna. But I do. I love Edna. I'm glad she's. I'm gonna go see her, right, Corey? You gonna go see her? One hundred percent. Wasn't that your profile picture for like? Yeah. Forever. I love Edna. Everything about her, except the way she looks now. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about her except her. Magic Kingdom, right? Yeah, it's at the. Uh, I think she comes out Expo. on the stage show. Show. Oh, they're not gonna make her dance, are they? Uh, I don't. Everybody know. dances. Is it a meet? It's a, so there's no meet and greet with. I Edna. don't think there's a meet and greet with Edna. It's oh. just a, she shows up on the stage. What's the point then? Oh, look Aww. how disappointed she is. Oh, I'm gonna cry. Move on to someone else. 
All right. Thank you, Teresa. Corey. All right. Uh, as of uh, May 24th, uh, last Thursday, table service dining reservations are now available during Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. You have to have your ticket to, to book these, and so they're for, um, from 6 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. on party nights. And for Be Our Guest, uh, Cinderella's Roll Table, and also Crystal Palace. Um, there's also available is the Happy Hallowishes uh, Premium Dessert Party, so you get uh, – uh, premier, premier, uh, premier seating for the Butu U Parade and also the fireworks plus uh, dessert and stuff like that. So, would y'all uh, book a, if you pay this much money for a party, would you want to do it like a, an hour and a half sit down dinner? Yeah. Yeah, We've done you it. would? We've done it. We've done well, it. I know, but we're local. But like, if you just want to experience the yeah, party, would yeah. you want to take that much time out of your I know what you're saying. If you're already paying that much, you only have so many hours for that late night party. For for us, we get to do multiple parties if we want to. But if this is your one week's vacation. Well, think about it. That you know They let you into the park at 4 uh, on that ticket. When you have the ticket, if you don't want to use your, your, your multi-day pass, you can get into the park at 4 o'clock. Party usually runs till midnight. So you've got eight hours. If you do your... Do it early. Um, do your dinner early. Um, and, you know, most of the rides are a walk-on. Um, so you'll have plenty of time to do attractions, plenty of time to kind of take in the atmosphere, see the parades and, and fireworks. Yeah, absolutely. And I've done the that. The one thing I do see is, like, you know, Be Our Guest and Cinderella's Royal Table, that those are usually hard to get into. So this might, mm-hmm. you know, this might be your one and only opportunity to get into those. Yeah, you know, aim higher. <laughs> Aim higher. All right. Thank you, Corey. Rhino. Um, okay. So uh, SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment, which operates SeaWorld Orlando, San Antonio, San Diego, and uh, Busch Gardens in Tampa, and the one in Williamsburg, is offering free admission to United States military veterans. It has already started. It uh, started May 24th, and it is going through July 4th. So if you do want to take advantage of this um, – you have to go to wavesofhonor.com uh, because you cannot take advantage of this at the front of the park. So don't go to the park and just think you're going to get it. If you're a veteran, just make sure you go online ahead of time or if you're traveling with a veteran. But um, not too shabby if you want a free ticket to head over there. So um, if you want more information, you can head over to www.info.com for that. All right. Thank you. And Craig? Uh, yeah, Disney... announced slash confirmed dates for the Epcot International Festival of the Holidays, their holiday events. Uh, Just like every year, it's going to kick off right uh, in mid-November with uh, this year being November 18th through December 30th. And then uh, the Candlelight Processional will start on November 22nd and run through December 30th because they wait till Thanksgiving for Candlelight Processional. So uh, they keep up in this every single year. And so can't wait to see what they do at the holidays at Epcot this upcoming year. So, And I don't know if the rest of you are seeing this, um, but my news feed has been blowing up that apparently... I guess Roseanne Barr must have made a really oh, racist she, comment she, on Twitter. She sure did. They've canceled the show. What did, <gasps> oh, what did she say? No. Yeah. ABC just announced that they have canceled the show. So I haven't read anything that she wrote, but um, apparently she went on some racist rant on Twitter, and ABC responded by canceling the show. So hmm. there, there's my rapid fire. Um, <laughs> wow. All right. Um, oh, yeah. Just someone posted uh, ABC's 
commentary on it, William did. Roseanne's Twitter statement is abhorrent, repugnant, and inconsistent with our values, and we decided to cancel her show. So chances are we probably couldn't read it on this show anyways. Yeah. <laughs> or we should. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, I saw what she said right before we started. It's no, not I, great. I haven't seen it, and I'm, I'm okay with that. All right. Um, moving on. Um, as you guys know, we have uh, contributors who write for the Diz. Anybody can become a contributor. We'll make sure we have a link in the show notes page, disunplug.com, where you can sign up. Uh, contributors get paid $25 an article if we okay. use the article. I'll, I'll reopen it. It's been closed. We have a backlog, so I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I'll reopen it Okay. for good. a short period of time. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> We always use use some fresh blood. Well, we need to talk after the show about it anyway. So, all right. Anyhow, uh, one of those contributors, uh, Pete Perone. I think I'm pronouncing your name correct. It's Perone and not Peroni, but if I am mis- mispronouncing it, I apologize. Put up an article recently, uh, three Fast Pass Plus selections you need to make at each park. And I thought, uh, because I don't agree with him on all of these, so I thought it might be an interesting discussion point. I know we're, we're running long, but I don't think anybody minds. So, um, All right, starting off at the Magic Kingdom, the three attractions that he says are must, fast pass attractions, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, I, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Okay. And then this one is where the wheels come off the wagon for me. Jungle Cruise. Why wouldn't you do Space Mountain? Space Mountain, yeah. Well, or Slash. Said, uh, this is what he says. Why I didn't choose Space oh, Mountain. Okay. No doubt it's a Disney classic that will have an astronomical wait time by midday. We've never waited longer than 20 minutes, though. We usually choose one day to arrive at Magic Kingdom for its extra magic hour or rope drop. While everyone runs back to New Fantasyland, we make a right and head toward Tomorrowland. The strategy can be applied to most attractions at the Magic Kingdom, but Space Mountain is mainly geared toward older riders. Most families will forego the attraction in favor of Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. I disagree with that because I have been to the Magic Kingdom with uh, a bunch of my friends who have kids now. And the first thing those little kids do, and I always admire them for this because I did not go on Space Mountain until I was 18 years old, is they want to sit front row and center on that. So, Mr. Pierogi, I do not agree with you. Peroni. Peroni. Is it a nice Polish treat? Um, I actually I agree on Jungle Cruise. And I think another one. Over Peter left, Pan? I, I think actually my three, if you had that wish list, it would be it would be Seven Dwarfs Mine Train because as I'm on record saying I dislike that ride. So the shorter the wait, the better. But Peter Pan and Jungle Cruise weights both get so extravagant. And I, for me, I love the Jungle Cruise queue with the music and the atmosphere in there. But I don't think the average guest appreciates tiki culture like I do. So I can only imagine how they feel during a 45 All right, Rhino, between Jungle Cruise and uh, Peter Pan, which Fast Pass are you taking? I would say Peter Pan solely because, I mean, that is a, a ride that is never going to have less than like a 90-minute wait all day long. Charles? Um, if, if it's your one shot, uh, Peter Pan. Mm. Steve? I would say between the two, Peter Pan, but my three, I just wrote them down, were Space Mountain, Splash, and Big Thunder. Mm-hmm. See, I just want to point out, though, part of this, and I don't want to derail it, but my aspect of it is if the ride 
is actually worth the wait. Oh yeah, I don't like Peter. Then Pan. why? Oh, and I know, I know yeah. you do with that. But if I love Peter Pan, if the ride's worth the wait, you shouldn't mind waiting in a longer line for Ooh. it. So I like to think of the ones Ooh. that when I think about fast pass I choices, completely and utterly, totally. So you're disagree saying with get that. get fast passes to your that, not, you know, look, there's favorite? no ride, there's no ride I'm going to really wait 90 minutes for. But um, you're not, you're a local. It's. No, this was true before I was a local. Yeah. There was no ride. I was waiting 90 minutes. Yeah, no way. Well, Q uh, goes um, into it as well, because Big Thunder would not be on my list, because I love the ride. It pays The weight pays off, like uh, Craig mentioned. And also, I enjoy the queue. It's well-themed. It's not overly hot. Like, like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train? Yeah, I wouldn't get fast passes for something where, like, assuming it's less than three hours, I wouldn't get something for uh, fast pass something if I don't mind waiting. You know, things like Peter Pan, it's not, well, actually, Peter Pan's not a decent, not a bad cue either, I guess. But Teresa, Jungle Cruise or Peter Pan? Jungle Cruise. Really? Yeah. I love Jungle Cruise. And Corey? Splash Mountain. Actually, Jungle Cruise or Peter Pan? If it's raining, Peter Pan. If it's not, Jungle Cruise. <laughs> I can't it's just give Thursday. a straight answer. <laughs> right? Just happy to be here. Um... <laughs> So, all right, moving over to Animal Kingdom. Uh, Avatar or, or, or Pandora Flights of Passage. Obviously. Uh, obviously. Given. Kilimanjaro Safari and Expedition Everest are his three choices. You agree or yeah, disagree? I can agree I with agree. those. I agree with those. These three I agree with. Mm-hmm. These three mm-hmm. I do agree yeah. with. Um, I don't think there's a better use of a fast pass than these three at Animal Kingdom, Craig? No, it's, I mean... Yeah, there's not really a lot to Animal Kingdom still in terms of attractions with fast passes. Like I, I would strongly tell anyone who's trying to use a fast pass for Navi River Journey that they need to really think about their decision. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's, if they've already used one day, if they got a fast pass for Flight of Passage, and then the next day they're going back, they're like, well, maybe get a fast pass for River Journey then, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Moving over to Hollywood Studios. Um, Slinky Dog Dash Roller Coaster. Rock and Roller Coaster. And Tower of Terror. No. Why? What would you do differently, right? I would not do the Slinky Dog Dash. You would probably want to do Toy Story Midway Mania because that's another ride that the wait time is never low for that ride. And he says, yes, Toy Story Midway Mania absolutely warrants a Fast Pass Plus. It's one of the more popular attractions throughout Disney as it's a family-friendly ride that's designed for everyone. It has some awesome theming and a fun premise. Uh, the new Fast Pass Plus system at Hollywood Studios allows guests to choose one attraction <laughs> Excuse me, from Toy Story Land and two from another land like Rock and Roller Coaster Tower of Terror. If you only have one day in the park and are looking to wait the least amount of time at attractions, I choose the Slinky Dog Coaster, at least for the time being. Guests can easily hop on Toy Story Midway Mania at Rope Drop, and the ride's added track has alleviated... Uh, and, and I, I think there's a, the point he says in there, like with the Slinky Dog, i got to defend this because I was, you know, I was getting ready for the show, and Ferris saw... Like the on my computer, like the Slinky Dog Dash roller coaster. I'm just scrolling through the page. Goes stop that Toy Story. I think for the time being, 
I I would do no. that from I would have to do that from my family. It's not easy to do rope drop at Toy Story Midway Mania though. That's the thing. You can go online right now and Google videos of how insane it is. And I worked there for years, and it was like this every single day. And when they would ever try and send me over there, be like, "Can you help?" And I'm like, "No, I can't," because people get trampled. They have to herd them in with a rope, and they're all going to the same area. It's like it's like Walmart on Black Friday. Are you crazy? It's not that bad. <laughs> It's not that bad. I don't think anymore. I will say no, there was a time. They just posted a video a couple days ago when they brought when they were like, "This is what happens when you don't have Fast Pass at Toy Story Mania because it was when the Fast Pass was down." Okay, for that week. well, okay, that that being accepted, yeah. what do you think is going to happen when Toy Story Land opens? True. Yeah. Okay, I think it's going to be a hundred times worse. Yeah. I also wonder, you know, will will it die down over there? Will it die down over there? Yeah. So. But well, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with his rationale here. I would. That- uh, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. I would. Toy Story Midway Mania, unless the line is still out the door right at the beginning of the morning before it funnels in, the entire line is indoors. So yeah. on a hot summer day in Florida, if I have the choice between waiting outside of Rock and Roller Coaster in that back and forth area where it's just fans and wide lines where people use that as a way to cut in front of each other. I'm going to take the indoor one that's a little bit more uh, a little bit more organized, has air conditioning and also has stuff to look at. I don't think at. the debate was over Rock and Roller Coaster. It was over what ride in Toy Story Land. Oh, yeah, and, no, but that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I would do I would do Tower of Terror, I would do Rock and Roller Coaster and I would do uh, I would do Slinky Dog. Toy Story's all indoors. I'm, I wouldn't do Fast Pass for Tower of Terror because I like the theming. I don't like the ride. I chicken out at the end, but I like the theming in the <laughs> well, line. Yeah, what would a third be then in that park? What would your three be? I don't think I would have three because oh, I don't. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's part. That's part of the problem too. I think Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Star Tours is a fair, uh, a, a fair contender for this yeah. as well because that line can get, that it, line can get. It's usually long. posted wrong. Um, for me though, for me though, would be Tower of Terror, uh, Toy Story Mania. And if I had to choose Star Tours. Yeah, I don't do rock and roller coasters. I don't so. do rock and roller coaster either. So, all right, let's move over to Epcot. It starts off with Frozen Ever After. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Spaceship Earth, which you are just completely wrong on that. Yeah. Um, Weird. Spaceship and Earth. Meet Mickey and Friends. It's slim pickings at Epcot. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's tough. It, it really is. Uh, but Test track. He, here's, you can't. You can't. Here's, here's why he chose. He said, I did not choose Soren, which I think would be the most obvious one. He's not a fan of Soren. I went back on in 2015, and the ride felt dated. The attraction has since been renovated with new screens, better projections, and updated sense. While Soren may not attract the crowd at once did, it's still a very popular ride and warrants a Fast Pass Plus. Um, so... Um, he still says that you can get on that fairly quickly at rope drop. Now, this is assuming right. you're going to do a rope drop. Um, so maybe if you are doing rope drop at each of these parks, some of this may make sense. But there are a lot of people, hello, that will not <laughs> rope drop do a rope noon? drop. Sure, but not. Yeah, if they're, they're going to open the park at noon, I'm all in. But outside of that, not going to happen. So um, I think, you know, between Soren and Test Track, because you can only choose one of them, um, where would you go, Steve? Uh, Soren, but I, I would know to request B1. But also, isn't it true, this is anecdotal, but um, the lines for Spaceship Earth get long in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But once a World Showcase opens up, those lines, by mid-afternoon, 
You know, I'm used to seeing Spaceship Earth 15, 20 minute wings. It's like your calm down ride on the way out yeah, of the park. It's never it's an hour and a half or two bit. hours like Soren or Test Tracking. It's gets. not the five minute waits that it used to be. Like before, you could always count. No, but it's also not the hour, hour and a half that Soren and Test yep. Track are. I see. I would go with Test Track because I hate that queue. It is. I even when I worked there back before the refurb, it's when, pretty awful. It was the a, music it was super obnoxious. Then now it's still just a, is obnoxious. I I just I despise this queue so much. Um, so anything to get me through it faster and actually get to the ride portion, I'm gonna be okay with. I would never fast pass test track myself because it's got a single a single rider option, um, and if you shoot through that, yeah. it's really quick. That's fair. It's yeah. really quick. I don't like soaring, but between the two of the uh, soaring, but between the two of those, I would do soaring because it has no single rider. Why don't you, you like soaring? Huh? Why don't you like soaring? Because I think their design was absurd. And you don't make a ride where only 33% of the people can... Right, if you're really not sitting dead center, um, the... Eiffel Tower. Everything's curved. I hate them for it. Yeah, but... Wow. Do you like the feet hanging in front of me? I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Once you know where to sit, though, do you hate it? Not everybody should have to take a class on where to sit before Uh, they go But do you enjoy in in that prime spot? Yeah. Okay. That's what I would do. But I, I, I don't think you design a ride... I mean, I'm not justifying that Disney should have you're done that. You're, you're a Soren apologist, and you no, have been I'm for a very saying, long time, and I don't like it. <laughs> I, I'm not saying what Disney did I, is right. We I'm all know saying, what you're saying. Would no, you, get out of here. Would, is there anybody in the room that would choose no. a character meet-and-greet Fast Pass over Soren or Test Track? I, I'll tell you this. Like, for, for Epcot, for example, like I would choose Frozen Ever After and then also Soren, and then usually we take whatever's left. Mm-hmm. And that's all. the meet-and-greets are always available. But, you know... You can't. Meet and greets are endless. I mean, you, you're timeless. You know how many times, you know, you can meet Mickey every every week, and you're still going to be happy with it. So we always try to pick that um, whenever it's available, especially for our kids. Yeah, for kids, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to do it for our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it, and I'm really hoping I have music to play me out here. Uh, We will see you again next week with another episode of The Diz Unplugged. Have a great week, everybody. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. Bye.